in today's show. But it's a real thing. You know, you, I, God, if, some, if one person got upset with me, I would, I would, I would harbor that for months. What am I going to yeah. do? So-and-so doesn't like me. Now I just don't give a shit. Like, yeah. Well, I, you I, know, Osho, Osho yeah. said that the greatest fear that we have to overcome is the fear of other people's opinions. And yeah. I, we all, that's really well said. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we are, I'm subject to that. You're subject to it. it. sounds like you're, you're conquering it better than others. But I think that all of us, especially those listening to the podcast who are in the entrepreneurial world is that we have to understand that greatest fear that we have to overcome is to overcome the fear of other people's opinions. And it doesn't yeah. mean you walk around as an arrogant asshole or a jerk and you just don't care what people think. It's about being completely detached and disconnected from their opinions. And it doesn't, that's not a value statement about you as a human being. So I, I appreciate your uh, candidness and, and sharing that perspective. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to the show. It's the real Jason Duncan, and I am so honored that you're here. Whether you're driving in your car or on the way home from work or to work, you're out walking the dog, you're exercising, laying around the house, you know, whatever you're doing, thank you for taking time to hit that listen button. And if you haven't subscribed, you haven't left a, uh, a five-star review, please go do that. It, it's so helpful to us as podcasters to, because when you do that, the algorithm shows, okay, more people are listening. So it pushes it in front of more people. Uh, I would love to say that I get a dollar for everybody that subscribes or listens, but I don't, it's not about making money. It's about delivering value. And I want to deliver more value. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for, for leaving a good review. And remember, this is also on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan. And you can watch this. You can see me with my guests. I'm coming to you from my new home studio here in Gallatin, Tennessee. And my guest today is Craig Handley, and he's coming to us from parts unknown in Mexico. This is a guy who uh, he's an entrepreneur, he's a speaker, a musician, a philanthropist, and he believes in living life like an extreme sport. Let me tell you some of the stuff this guy's done. This is this is such a cool, probably one of the coolest backgrounds of any guests I've had on the show. Uh, he's cage dived with great white sharks. He's rappelled down Table Mountain in South Africa. He's driven the Baja 500 Trail in Mexico. And we're actually going to talk about this on the show because I'm really interested to know uh, how he did it, why he did it, and how he got access to it. He's hiked through the jungles of Malaysia. He's uh, been in Iceland. He snowmobiled across a volcano that erupted three months later and shut down air flight all over the all over the planet. He swam the Blue Lagoon. He's dove the famed Silfra Fisher, uh, which is the only dive in the world between two continental plates, which is pretty interesting. And he's the 85th civilian ever to jump out of a plane at over 32,000 feet. And he talks about being the last guy out of the plane on the show today. And you'll know why. And once you listen to the show. 
Uh, he's been to Necker Island, hung out with Richard Branson down there, and there was a beginning to his uh, his a, a really cool beginning to his adventurous life began through an event at Necker Island with Richard Branson and a cliff diving incident. So I want you to listen very carefully for that part of the story too. He's an expert in Hispanic marketing, which is a very interesting thing we're going to talk about on the show. He's also an expert at direct response marketing, sales and brand expansion. He's the CEO and founder of the hugely successful Listen Up Espanol, which was named number one in the business products and services in Inc. 500 list and number 27 overall. That's he said, I think he reveals in the show that he grew over 6,500% in three years. His businesses employ over a thousand employees and he's collectively done over half a billion dollars in sales in the last five years. That is impressive. He started his professional career as a paper boy, <laughs> as a kid out selling everybody. He's going to talk about that story, winning a trip to Disneyland. And then he went on to, uh, to won all kinds of awards as a door-to-door -door insurance salesman. And then he ends up in the marketing space. And now he's wanting to become a major songwriter. He wants to get a record of the year, wants to win a Grammy. Craig Hanley is one of the most interesting guys you've never heard of before. So please help me in welcoming Craig Hanley to the show today. Well, Craig, welcome to the show, man. We've been trying to get together to get you on this show for a while. And I finally caught you in Mexico where we can do the Zoom together. <laughs> so thanks for being here. Yeah, you say you caught me, but you're the one that's been really busy. I've been trying to be on your show forever, so what can I say? <laughs> well, you know, you, you're you this guy, like I, when we were introduced, I don't know, last year sometime, it was like, where do you live? And like, well, I live wherever I want. That, that was kind of your response. I, I'm, I'm here, I'm there. I said, well, I want to do, I want to have you on this podcast. Uh, I, I do a lot of live recordings in Nashville. Yeah, just tell me when to get there. But we just never could make it work. But I'm yeah. really glad that today we, we are making it work and we met live in person, what, last month, month before last, uh, not too long ago. It all ago. goes by so fast. It wasn't that long ago. but yes. It wasn't that long ago, but we met in Florida at an event and uh, you're a cool guy. And I'm really excited about learning your story today, man. So, um, you know, as I said in the intro, you've got such a weird and, and interesting past, man. So all this cool adventure stuff, living life like an extreme sport, how did you get into that type of stuff? Before we get into the entrepreneur stuff, we'll get there in a minute. But like, how did you get interested in doing all these extreme things with the sharks and snowmobiling and rappelling? What's up with all that? Um, after my first divorce, you know, of course, I was sad for a while because it wasn't my idea. But um, I kind of just, you know, it, you know, left because I got married young. I think I was 22. And so I didn't do a lot of things, crazy things in my 20s. And here I am, 35 years old. And kind of have this new lease on life. And I just, I'd always wanted to travel. And so I started doing a little bit of travel. And uh, as my business gained success, there was, I was invited to Necker Island. And I was out there on Necker with Branson. And he says, well, let's go to Mosquito Island. So we went across to his other island over there that he owns. And they hiked up to this, this cliff and everybody was jumping in the water from this cliff. And I got to the edge and I just couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger. I couldn't step off the edge and, and a fear mindset. It's funny. I felt probably like a lot of people who are working at Walmart, but have a dream do. I had that fear, hold me back, you know? And so I recognized that as a weakness and I regretted not jumping, I think more than if I would have splattered across the rocks, you know? And so I just decided at that point that I was going to live my life a little bit fuller. And instead of, you know, being afraid, I was going to live without fear. 
And uh, ever since then, I wanted to be first to jump, except for when I did the halo dive out of an airplane from 33,000 feet. I wanted to be last there because the last person jumped from the highest elevation. So, it, you know, it was a contest, right? So I waited. I sat in the very back of the plane and waited to her at 33, 34,000 feet before I jumped out while every, after everybody else had gone. Because the weight of the plane, so the more people leave, the higher the plane can go. Wow. So out so, of all the cool extreme <laughs> things that you've done, you know, and I listed those, I talked about those in the intro. What What's the one that stands out above and beyond all the rest? Oh, having kids is the most extreme thing I've ever done because they're, they're <laughs> and I didn't um, even mention that in the intro. What? So tell woo. us about your kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I have six, but five of them are mine. And one of them is a kid who just kind of moved in when he was 12 and didn't leave. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I call him my son, you know, I know he's not officially adopted or anything like that, but, um, but yeah, I've got four kids that are all in their twenties and I've got an eight year old little girl who, who I have fun with. And, and then my other, uh, my, my son, not son is, uh, is 26 or 27 living out in LA as an influencer. So, uh, all kinds of, you know, my daughter's trying to become a vet and open a dog rescue and. I think you met her too as well. And uh, my, I get another son who's kind of figured it out and a daughter who's figured it out and they're all fun. So, <laughs> so out of all the extreme stuff, the, the highlight of all is <laughs> it's, it's being a dad. <laughs> raising kids, boy, raising kids. Who thought that would be fun? Um, no, it's, it is fun. There's rewards there, but it was also, you know, there's also your plenty of challenges, but on the, uh, on the extreme side, the best, the more, I don't know. I did the Baja 500 through, through uh, you know, from from basically North Mexico down to Cabo and uh, $250,000 car and you're driving up a waterfall, shredding tires going up these, you know, $3,500 tires that are on the vehicle. Um, you had to have insurance because you were definitely going to get your car injured at some point. These, it was extreme driving, you know, for that Baja 500. So I think that might've been the, the most fun one that I did or Iceland was Iceland was full of adventure. Cause we went caving and we dove in the Sulphur ravine and we snowmobiled a live volcano. And the, that volcano happened to be the same volcano that exploded like, you know, three months later that shut down all the airports several years back. Mm. And so, you know, it would have been fun if it would have exploded while we were driving on it, it would have been like an action movie. Mm. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I, they all kind of go into that great, you know, that great box in my head, you know, the, uh, you know, the, and one of the things that was really extreme was when I got to meet um, Ringo Starr. I went to his birthday party. So I didn't just get to meet him. I got to talk to him and get to know him a little bit. And cause there was like a hundred people there, you know? So that was kind of cool too. That was nice. And nice so where was extreme. that? Where, where was that party? In L.A., David Lynch had thrown him a birthday party, the Love and Peace Award he gave him for his birthday. And it was kind of cool because a lot of the people from Ringo and the All-Star showed up to celebrate Ringo. So Joe Walsh was there and, you know, all kinds of famous people that I grew up playing their music in my driveway when I was at, you know, in high school. So it was kind of a, a great experience getting to meet all those people. How did you get involved in the Baja 500? Because I, I'm a car guy. I love, I love racing. I love, I love cars and all things to do with that. So how did you get introduced and then find yourself driving a car in the event? There was an entrepreneurial group I'm part of, not unlike 
the Bellwether, but it's called Mavericks. And uh, the owner of that group, Yannick Silver, had the idea to have business sessions with optional activities. And so, you you know, one of our trips was to the Baja and we would drive 80 miles or whatever. And then we'd sit down on the beach under a tent with some, you know, a couple of drinks. And we'd have some business sessions. And you didn't have to drive the car if you didn't want to. You could ride with the team to the different business sessions. That was just the optional activity. From a tax standpoint, that made sense. So, <laughs> so you got to so, drive um, as a tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went down. It's a, it was a great trip, man. It was really fun. Those cars, I think they're one fifty a piece or whatever, and up. And uh, you know they just. And so I wasn't actually in the race, but I was, you know, but I was, I did the same race that they do during the race, you know, by guides. One of the guides that we had had rolled his, rolled his car right off a cliff on the same trail we happened to be driving on. You know, he'd stop and he'd go, this is where I rolled it right here. <laughs> I mean, it's dangerous. It really is. And uh, you take a wrong turn and the guide's telling you that there's a, a cow gate in the middle of the desert at point you know 1.3 miles or 2.7 miles and you took a wrong turn a little bit back well now you don't really know where the cow gate is because your mileage is off and so we had a number of people think that they were going to hit the cow gate you know and it's a brick wall it's like a concrete wall with these metal rails around it and everything that the cars drive through but you're supposed to slow down as you go through the cow gate but if you don't know it's coming we had so many people have a tire you know, hit the, hit the gate as they're going too fast or, you know, or, or there was a jump that you, they said like, you know, there's, there's a high jump, slow down at 1.8 miles or, or 17.8 miles or whatever the hell we were. And, uh, and somebody missed that, that mileage marker because they had taken a wrong turn or something. And they had one guy hit the hill and flew off and landed in a tree. They didn't know how to get him out of the tree. They, I mean, he got out of the car, but his car was up in a tree. <laughs> we had another guy hit the cow gate and ripped off the whole back of the car. They were, you know, you know when the mechanics are taking pictures that you did a good job on your car. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, and I, sh- I shredded my tires going up the waterfall, which is outside of Cabo, and it's on the trail, and you're basically going up an incline, like it's it's like a an incline. I mean, you're, you're almost straight up and down. So the car is almost leaning backwards, like it wants to fall over. And the dips on the tires and the range of the shocks, it was cool. Anyway. Oh, I'd love to do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. But in order to be able to do stuff like that, you've got to have time and you got to have money. And that is where your entrepreneur story comes in. So I want to ask you this. When I have people on the show, the root of all success, I ask them about when they first noticed the entrepreneurial drive in them. Was it as a child, a teenager? Was it as a young adult or as an older adult? So for you, when did your entrepreneurial drive and when did that journey start for you? I had a paper out as a kid. I went door to door and I sold more newspapers than anybody else in the state of Maine where I grew up in Maine. And I got to win a trip to Disney World. And uh, I was bullied a lot in junior high too. So as I was branded a winner, I, I got that entrepreneurial chip on my shoulder where I was like, okay, so there are ways I can win. And, uh, and so, yeah, I sold them. I sold the most new subscribers on my paper out and I did it three times throughout my lifetime where they had contests and I'm like, okay, I'm going to win. And, uh, and then I, I ended up selling insurance door to door and I was in the top 10 in the country every, every year, you know, I just, I love to compete. I love that 
I love that feeling of succeeding and of uh, really when you're the best, people like you. So I think being bullied made me really have that drive and desire to, you know, to, to find ways to make people want to like you, you know, and success does that. Well, when did you, when did you start your first official business as an adult? When did that happen and what was it? It's hard to say. I mean, when you sell insurance door to door, you're just paid a commission. There's no salary. And so I don't know if the insurance thing would count because I was working with somebody else. Um, but it was also my own blood, sweat and tears that was creating my paycheck. And then I ended up working with Aflac for a little while before I ended up in a call center. While I was taking phone calls in a call center, I realized that on the back end of a phone call, there was a media opportunity. Every phone call, when you call to order a pizza, well, they've got you on the phone. So I started buying the back end of phone calls. And if you were paying 70 cents for that minute of talk time, right? Would you sell me a minute of talk time for $1.50? Maybe. You would. Why not? So I created a one-minute read in a script to sell a trial offer to a shopping program. And I had, a, I had a couple other programs too. And I would just say, hey, Jason, thanks for ordering the widget. We'd also love to give you a free trial in this shopping club. It's free for 30 days. If you like it, do nothing. It's $16.95 a month. If you I don't want to don't want to continue. Just give us a call and we'll cancel it for you. There's no obligation. Uh, thanks for your time. And in those days, there was a little less compliance than you know than there are today. But <laughs> but I was I was you know and, and to be honest, seventy percent of the people would forget to call and cancel. It had a low usage. It was like a three percent usage, so hardly anybody used it. But I had seventy out of hundred people that were paying for it month to month. <laughs> So I ended up buying that back-end media space for $1.50, and I would sell a $16.95 a month product there. And, um, and I started making money. I you know, was up to a few hundred thousand dollars with that before I was having to process through a merchant account, and some people would charge it back. And I, I was kind of the first person doing these monthly things. And so um, I would get like five chargebacks or six. So it became a time when my chargebacks – we're surpassing my revenues. And so I had to shut it down, but, <laughs> but, if, but look today, they only give you one charge back for six separate incidents. It was just, it was so new that they didn't know how to handle it. I would have been able to survive great if they wouldn't have given me six different penalties for a six month, you know, 1695 times six months. I just, I stopped being able to, I, you know, refund people. So they froze my merchant account and kept a bunch of money. And uh, so I, you know, had to, had to kind of rebound from that. So that was Maybe my first business. Well, then when you, you moved on at some point into the marketing world, because you've got a very successful uh, background in marketing, you've got a great company doing marketing. When did you get into that specifically? Well, I, um, I, was, I was writing phone scripts in the phone center and I was getting paid. I started getting paid big money to write scripts for other companies, like 30 grand to write a, a piece of copy for phone agents to read. So I decided to build my own call center. And I have, have had Listen Trust, which is my call center with, with 800 employees or so. That business has been around for 16 years. You know, we do at least 100 million in sales, sometimes 150, 200 million in sales for our clients. I'm able to bill out, you know, around 12 million a year or so uh, to my clients. And it does... I don't know, one and a half to three million every year in profit kind of ticks along. And I retired from that a few years ago. 
And that's the marketing company you're talking about because my call center was working so well. I just wanted to go out and write music. I wanted to retire and write music. And as I started to write music, I realized I needed to brand Craig Hanley, just like you brand yourself the Jason Duncan. So I had to brand Craig Hanley. But as I was looking for opportunities, somebody to create my content, that alone was going to cost me, it was an average of $7,500. I got five quotes, you know, but the average is like 7,500 bucks. And when I say creating content, I'm going to dump just a bunch of video footage and and product knowledge or whatever, anything about Craig Hanley, I'm going to dump it in the folder. Someone's going to go in, edit, put it in the right formats for all the social media formats, add subtitles, do all those things, 7,500 bucks. Then to manage my communities, five grand. Book me on podcasts, three grand. Um, There were all these things, $10,000 to build up my TikTok was another quote that I got. Just crazy. So I built it myself in Mexico. I hired three people to do Craig Hanley's social media. And instead of paying $25,000 a month, I was doing it for about $2,500 with my own little group down here in Mexico. And eight months in of people saying, what are you doing? Can I, can I do it for you? Can you do it for me? I kept saying, no, it's not a business. It's not a business. No, don't bother me. Leave me alone. Finally, someone in Facebook posted that they were looking for something like a service that they could get for under 20 grand. And everybody was like doing following, following. And the only thing I did in that comment box, I said, well, I built it, but it's for me, it's not a business. I was continuing on that path of this isn't a business. Well, when I did that, that's apparently the sales language that you need to use because six people private messaged me and said, well, will you do it for me? And I said, eh. They said, well, how much does it cost you? I said, like 2,500. So finally, I got people offered me five grand to do the same thing for them. And I'm like, well, six times 2,500 a month. Well, that's like 14,000 a month in profit. You know, I'd be kind of an idiot to not at least try this because it's an extra 140 grand a year just with these people you know, in my pocket. So we gave it a shot and it worked better than I ever could have. Expected. All six of them referred like three people and then they referred three people and they referred. And I, I today I, I, I can't grow fast enough. My team, I've got I'm, I'm loading four to six new clients every week and I've got a waiting list of around 630 people. Now, 600 actually are in like one group. They're all, they're all influencers because what we really got master, we got masterful at doing is creating a high level of engagement and engagement equals commerce. And so influencers who were maybe getting a million to 2 million views or whatever, but they were selling $1,000, working with us over 90 days, we were able to get them up to 25,000 to 50,000 in sales. And so that group, I did a couple of influencers and they have 600 all in the same group and they all want to join. And so I'm doing like a couple of weeks there and then I'm doing a couple of Bellwether members every week. And But we're loading four to six people a week and there's at least 30 people that are like, when are we getting started? And I'm just trying to onboard new hires as quickly as I can. Major League Baseball talked to me about a deal. I, I, I can't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, it's crazy. It's funny how we stumble into the things that end up being uh, tremendously more successful than we would have ever imagined, especially those things that we are really only doing for ourselves. So when you were branding yourself, when did when did you start? When did you start? Hire, when did you hire those those team members to do your stuff? When was that? What year? Oh, maybe two years ago. Oh, so yeah, just recently. Just recently, like I said, I mean, I'm, I've gone from zero to almost fifty employees. And like 70 clients were doing social media marketing for them and about a million and a half in billing all in like a year and 
uh, maybe under a year and a half. So what do you think is the special sauce in that? Is it your ability to write script? Do you kind of understand something? Because obviously you're just hiring these people to do stuff. They're executing yeah. your, your direction, but what's the special sauce that makes it work so well? I don't know. I mean, as you can see, I have a face for radio, so it's not my good looks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, I think, look, from a marketing standpoint, I've been doing the infomercial business for 20 years. I've been, I've been understanding direct response. I've been in the internet marketing space. You know, I've really gone to all these conferences and learned from the, the, the greats. You know, all the all these greats that have their, their niches, your niches. I don't even know how to pronounce that word right now. Anyway, um, I really studied under a lot of these amazing people. Joe Polish with Genius Network, Yannick Silver, you know, these guys that have made their reputations on amazing product launches. So I guess I just had a lot of knowledge. And so when I look at somebody's business, I can come up with a way for them to and the word 10x is overused, but I can find a way for them to increase production within their business in 12 different ways. I just see it like Einstein saw algebra. You know, I just see marketing. And so what I do is I work with my team. They build out an audit. They build out a strategy, all based on my direction. And then my team executes on the strategy. And I only have to get involved if there's something that doesn't work. Or after that first 90 days, I want to build out a year strategy. So. I kind of let my team build out the algorithms, establish some content creation, establish a rhythm with the client. And then I start to dig in and start to drive cash, you know, in whatever way, you know, whatever way that I see cash being driven. And I'm right more than I'm wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm, I bad about 98%. So what's uh? So give me one cool success story of people that hired you to do, to do this. We had one guy who hired us, uh, paid 7000 a month, and he hired us to get him coaching clients. So it was primarily a LinkedIn and an Instagram campaign. And uh, we got him 33 leads his first month. He called 13 of them, and he sold two at $75,000 a piece. So he called and said, Craig, why don't you charge a commission after you after I make back my, my seven grand? You should charge a commission. I was like, yeah, someday I may. You know, someday I probably will. But operationally, I'm so focused on performance that I haven't buttoned up all the operational stuff where I could make extra money. I know this. So I'm like, yeah, I'll make you money. You're happy. It's all good. Right. You know what I mean? I don't. So he goes, well, he goes, I wasn't prepared for this level of success. He goes, nobody's ever done this before. He goes, so he goes, I'm usually, I'm so used to being disappointed. So he said, so here's what I'm going to do. He says, first of all, this was in um, October. He goes, I'm going to pay you 10000 a month for November and December. He said, don't ask for the seven. I'm just going to pay you a little extra. He goes, second of all, don't get me any more leads for November and December. He goes, I still have 20 more to call. And I think I'm going to close a third out of those first 13 that I've already contacted. He goes, that's $225,000 for seven grand. He said, and I've got 20 more leads to call. He goes, so don't do any more leads. Just do my social media. For, for November, December, and I'm going to be, I'm going to build out my team. So I'm ready for this level of success come January, and then we'll get the leads going again. So that was a fun one. You know, that's a good story. Um, so did he second, get more leads? Did he get more leads in January? Did he get, did he get oh, his yeah. team built out? Yeah. Yeah. He did all that. He, he knew what he was doing, but he needed a couple of months. Another, another success story is um, a friend of mine was trying to make the New York times bestseller list and he needed 3000 books in three days. And he calls and he goes, I know your team's good. Is there anything you can do? We put, I put a plan together. 
And over three days, we sold over 3,000 books for him. And he made, I forget whether it was the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times bestseller list. It was uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy and uh, his first book. Uh, well, not his first book, but a book that he wrote called Personality is Impermanent. And so uh, that was kind of a fun story. And he had a great testimonial. Like his testimonial kind of helped me start the business because he was so excited about the fact that we moved 3,000 books in three days. So how did you like, do that? How did you move 3,000 books in three days? What, what was the, what did you do? He um, had a really engaged audience. And so we went into his Instagram, his LinkedIn, and his Facebook, and we direct message people. And then we found people who would be willing to share content. And whenever they did, over the three days, we just pushed as hard as we could and tried to connect with, you know, one-on-one -on -one messaging throughout his entire, and we have different strategies for book launches, but that was the only one that was gonna, gonna get him book sales in, in three days. And uh, we had, you know, we had some people order four or five books. We had one company through LinkedIn, they ordered, you know, uh, 500 books. And so we just, you know, we tried to use our, our influence and, and the sheer volume of people that I could push in a project with a call center, I could push 800 people at a project if I needed to, you know, so I just pushed a lot of people to this project and his audience was really receptive and they really respected him. And so they bought the book and they shared content and we ended up hitting the number. So how did you become an expert at Hispanic marketing? What, that's a kind of an interesting part of your story. So tell me about that. Well, I was going to build a call center and I thought, well, I could build a U.S. call center. But when I started really studying, I recognized that there was no, the only Hispanic center I could find was like the specialized in direct response. I found one center doing it, but they weren't what I would call a soft offer center. And in, in, in English, there are giant call centers, like, you know, there was a West and a Convergence and all these big centers, but there were a lot of what I would call boutique centers too. And the boutique centers were, you know, Talk America or, you know, all these little call centers where, and Talk America had like a thousand employees, but they did what was called soft offers. They sold on the phones. And so I said, well, I'm going to build a soft offer Hispanic center, thinking I wasn't going to be competing with anybody. And what happened was we started taking on like trial offers and things like that. And we were, because we were a sales center, one of the call centers that was competing with us in Spanish, they were closing at around 15% we were closing at 27%, wasn't even close because we hired and trained people how to sell. And I used my $30,000 script writing experience to create amazing scripts. That business grew year over year in the first three years, 6,994%, putting us at number one on Inc. 500's business and product services category, number 27 in the overall list of fastest growing companies. So we just... We caught it the right way. We thought, why not do Spanish? Because nobody else is doing it. And then we caught a couple of campaigns and we just crushed it performance-wise. And so all of a sudden, I mean, we, we went year over year from about 150 people to one. We, at one point, we had 1,400 people. And that was from one year to the next. It was crazy. You know, we went from billing a couple of million dollars to billing $15 million. Just, just almost like that. So, wow. That is amazing, Craig. That's a yeah, good, that's and really, a... and I, you know, it's like in music, when I'm writing songs today, I study Taylor Swift. I study, you know, hit songs deconstructed that Berkeley college puts out. I study 
how to write a hit record from all the experts. I did the same thing when I first built my call center. I studied Hispanic marketing in the U.S. I studied enculturation to understand how Hispanics look at infomercials differently from, you know, from, um, you know, set for set first, second, third generation Hispanics look at stuff versus people who you know were born in the U.S. You know, so uh, I had to really understand what the difference was and integrate some of that information. So I basically had to be an educator because somebody who wanted to take their show from English to Spanish, we had to add components like religion or family or, you know, the, the content in the show had to be a little bit different. Uh, you couldn't just add subtitles. You wanted to kind of, you could for some of it, but you wanted to have some authentic, you know, stuff in there that was a little bit different. So we really just worked with our clients as partners to educate them on the right way to do it. And a lot of what we taught them how to do with our experience and our education allowed them to have successful shows in Spanish. Make sense? Yeah, that's very interesting. We're going to take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. So you've been a very, you've, you've achieved success in a lot of different areas of your life from selling paper route, you know, selling paper subscriptions on your paper route as a kid to insurance, insurance. sales, Aclac, yeah. and all these other things. You've been successful. How, how does Craig Hanley define that word success? What, what, what is that to you? Um, well, I don't know. I think success is when I die, I have no regrets. I mean, I'm still not satisfied. I'm not, you know, I mean, I, and I think Tom Brady's the same way, for example, he's not satisfied. He's done so much and accomplished so much, but if you ask Tom Brady, if he was successful, I don't know if he feels successful, you know, I don't know. I think he's still fighting that battle, you know, to, to prove to everybody that he's worthy. And I feel the same way, you know, there's so much that I still want to do and I've had success, but am I happy as to where I'm at in life? I, I mean, I have days where I'm comfortable with days where I go, I got to get this done. Like the world needs some of the ideas that I've got, but you know, the world needs to hear my music. I need to have a record of the year. I don't just want to win a Grammy anymore. Now I want to write a record of the year and I think I'm absolutely capable of doing it. Wow. So how much time are you spending on the music writing and, and recording now? Uh, really about eight hours a week. I write three new songs every week. You know, that's, and uh, well, I guess it's going to be a little bit more. I just got some homework. A friend of mine put a program to get together about leveling up and he gave me an hour a day worth of homework. So I guess I'll be putting in about 16 hours a week coming up. Interesting. Well, I've got this, uh, I've got this theory that I talk about on this show, Craig, and I, I don't know that you and I've ever had a conversation about this, but the, I started this show uh, back in December, started recording back in December, 2020 as a way to investigate this theory I have about how entrepreneurs like you have unlocked success. And I, and I uh, base this on this five, these five keys that I discovered through conversations that I had with other very successful entrepreneurs like you you know, over, over a bourbon and cigar, over dinner, hanging out at, at a, you know, hanging out somewhere, just asking just curious questions. And I discovered these five things kept appearing in every single person's story. So I want to see if they appear in your story and get your color commentary on what you think about these keys. And the first key is passion. I think the first key that people use to unlock success is passion. And it's not passion from an emotional sense, because 
that helps. It's it's maybe the grease or the the graphite on the key that helps it turn the tumblers. But but really, what passion means is willing to suffer or willing to endure. In other words, you've got to be able to push through to get to success. So, how do you think passion, from a mental standpoint, ability to push through, plays into your story of success? Well, I've always wanted to be a musician since I was you know since I was in high school. I mean, and I've hung on to that fire. And uh, for me, everything I've done was just a path to get to this, this place in my life. So, I mean, even when I was running the call center, I was writing music. I'd use music to recruit. I'd use music to create infomercials. Uh, you know, it was always part of my life. But I'm also passionate about helping others. When I wanted to be a musician, it's not that my mom and dad didn't support me, but they were like, get a real job, you know, and then do music on the side. It, you know, they weren't crazy about the idea of me writing music as a career because I think they thought I'd live at home forever. So, <laughs> and so um, I just wanted, I decided at a young age, I was going to believe in people. Didn't matter what they wanted to do. I was going to believe in people and try to help them with their goal. And it's been one of the best things I've ever done in my life is believe in people because at 20 or 22, pe- you know, people are strange, right? I mean, these young kids say they're going to build the, job, the biggest business in the world. And what I found is that some of them do, right? You don't know who is going to be successful when they're 20-year-old kids with big ideas. And so by believing in people at a young age, my phone is filled with millionaires' numbers. At least 600 probably in my phone are people who have, you know, have made millions of dollars. I've got some billionaires on my phone. But they were nobodies when I met them. And I just chose to believe in them at a young age. So... I think the secret to success is just believing in others and giving back as much as you can, you know, just help other people get to what their dream is in life. And, uh, and then don't worry about it because if you do things for other people, inevitably, they probably will want to do things for you too. But at the very worst, you've got a Rolodex of friends that nobody, nobody has my, one of my buddy's numbers that nobody can get through to him, but I have three cell phones for him. And uh, he answers if I call. You know, he replies when I message him. And when I met him, he was a nobody. Now he's got three best-selling books. He's got companies in 10 countries. He's got, I mean, he's a monster. And I've got a lot of people that have done amazing things that I just chose to believe in at a young age. That's great, man. So I, I see that in your story that you're pushing through and believing in people. The second, the second key that I found that happens in everybody's story and uh, their entrepreneurial story of success is being at the right place at the right time. Can you think back to a place in time you can look at and go, you know, had I not been there or if this thing hadn't happened or timing wasn't right, things could have been a lot different. What do you think about that? I've come to believe that, you know, that there's such a thing as religion and then there's faith. And people who are religious usually live in fear and don't have faith. What I believe, like, what if we're all in a simulation and whatever you believe in, God, Buddha, aliens, I believe the people that are supposed to help you forward in your life are placed into your path. And I believe that, again, whether you believe in God or whatever, that such a thing is called the tap. And I listen and feel for the tap. And whenever I put my body in a state to believe and have faith, I'll be in an elevator and I'll turn around and I'll just talk to strangers in the elevator because I know inevitably one of them is, is in my path for a reason. And so 
I find that that happens to me all the time, not just occasionally, but I know that, I mean, it's hard not to believe them in a simulation because if I think about wanting ice cream, an ice cream truck will drive by. You know, I mean, I, I, how can I not believe we're living in some simulation when the craziest things in the world happen every day to me? <laughs> I just, but I've just chosen to have faith in the fact that, that nothing happens by accident. And that, what, like I, my daughter used to play that game Sims, The Sims, when she was a kid. I'm like, what if we're like little characters in this little Sims game? And all I got to do is write down what I want. And when I write it down and show it to the universe and then work towards that goal and whatever, if they see me working towards it, I just wrote a record called What If God Is Death? And I happen to believe that whatever force is out there, they don't really hear us. So we can't just say, I want to be famous. You've got to work your ass off to be famous. You got to write it down. Apparently they can read whatever God <laughs> or alien you believe is up above. Apparently they can read because when I put them up, and I don't just write it on small. I put it in a big font. And I, I literally hold it up to the universe. And I get everything I write down. I, I can't explain it. So, yes, the answer is it happens to me all the time. And specific examples. I mean, once I was even walking through the streets of L.A. And a guy walked by with a Maine shirt on. And I grew up in Maine. So I'm like, hey, what are you, why are you wearing a Maine shirt? We started talking. He was a movie director. And he wanted to do sync. And so we were talking about music. And he was friends with this guy who used to run the music business in the eighties and nineties. And so we had breakfast with him the next day and, you know, it was just, it was just weird. And I've, I've had things like that happen to me all my life where I'm in the right place at the right time. But I think it's only because I'm aware that that could happen. And I'm always anxious to we're in a restaurant, you know, having burgers and I'm talking to these guys from London and they're in the golf business and they need this and they need that. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm exchanging Instagram with them so they can get their, they can keep in touch with me in case we want to do business. You know, uh, it's kind of crazy. A fight breaks out and I kind of joked around. I walked up and one of the guys and I said, you guys keep fighting like that. I'm going to step in and take, kick both your asses. And it literally, you know, and, and the guy was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good, man. No, I don't want any trouble. <laughs> but it was funny. And, and I ended up talking to the guy and I was like, you know, I could do business with that guy. Who knows? You know, I just, I don't, I don't care. I talked to everybody. And, uh, and a lot of times, if you have faith, somebody in the room is supposed to be there and they're going to be a elevation point for you in your career as to where you want to go. If you can think, if you could think in that way, yeah. you know, well, I also believe that, that knowing the right people is one of those keys. So if you think back in your story, is there a person or two or three or four that you can look back and say, man, this person had a huge influence on my ability to be successful. Who, who would that be? Yeah, well, I have a, unfortunately, my, my the first person in name died two days ago. He oh. was like a father figure. And, you know, he was a mentor. And, the, you know, he took me under his wing. And uh, he's the guy who gave me my first $3,000 credit card. And he's the first guy that really believed in me when I was, you know, starting to go. And he taught me the 24-hour rule, how you can't let your emotion get the best of you. Within any 24-hour period, you always have to take 24 hours to think things through. Um, that was something he preached to me all the time because I was just a ball of emotion, you know. And uh, and he was a big supporter of my life. His name is Glenn Reed. And uh, most people don't know who Glenn is, but but Glenn was was my W. Clement Stone and my Zig Ziglar. You know, he put me on the right path. And whenever I started to get off from it, he talked to me and keep me back on the path. And he was an ally. He sat on my board no matter what. He would always vote with me. So no matter if I had one partner, I was always going to win the vote. 
because he was always my ally. You know, he was somebody who really took care of me and uh, saw me through deals thick and thin. So he would be one that made a big impact on me. And then there was this guy, Bob Heeks, who I talk about. Again, people don't know all these people, but I built a shopping club, right, with Bob, and we were working uh, together. And I was getting paid because I lost my merchant account. I put a deal together where I was just getting 50 cents per member per month. But it adds up quickly when you're selling four or 5,000 sales a week, right? And my check got to about $300,000. And then they st- this big company had some of the same challenges as far as their, as far as their um, merchant account goes. And so they said, look, we're going to give you this check, but then we're not going to pay you anymore. And you have two choices. You have a contract, you can sue us, but our pile of money, he gave me this message. He goes, our pile of money is bigger than yours. He goes, so you can sue us and, you know, that's, that'll be that. He goes, and we'll kind of figure it out. He goes, or you can accept this very humbly that it's the right thing to do. There's not, you know, we're having the same challenges you have with the merchant account. So we're not making a lot of money. And we're really just going to kind of pay off the, the debt, kind of wind this thing down. If you go that route, I'll be an ally of yours and help you you know, move forward. And he was true to his word. I walked away from the deal, uh, got my last check, whatever, walked away from the deal. He was true to his word. He was a friend and an ally now going on 25, 30 years. I mean, and so he was one of those people that did what he said and honored his word and commitment and really helped me understand things in a little bit of a different light. And man, I, I got so many opportunities just because he was my friend. Hmm. That's great. I love hearing stories yeah. like that because I don't think entrepreneurs think about how people are such an important part of that. And that's why I believe that your network is your net worth. And that's why I love knowing you and the organizations that you and I belong to together and how we get to know each other. I think that networking, who you never know who that person is going to be. And I, I like your story about being on the elevator and just talking to people on the elevator, breaking up a fight, because you never know when that person is going to be the person that you need to help, uh, you know, give you that trajectory towards success that you wouldn't have had otherwise. <clears throat> the fourth, the fourth key, Craig, that I found is you got passion. You got to be in the right place at the right time, knowing the right people. The fourth key is preparation, having the know-how to pull it off. And you've been successful in so many different little areas. Um, but I, but I want to go back to your early story of your early life. You said that you were bullied a lot in school as a kid. I want to, I want to say that I believe that that is probably the best preparation grounds for you. While it it was sucked at the time getting bullied, nobody likes that. I, I, I had a couple of instances where I was bullied as a kid. It wasn't pervasive, maybe like yours was, but, but, but it was, it's formative. And I believe that your success as an entrepreneur based on your story is related to that. What do you think about it? Absolutely. Yeah. It puts a chip on your shoulder. You know, it really does. I mean, and, uh, I, you know, I moved schools. I have believed so much that I moved schools as a freshman. And the first kid that spoke to me sideways, I tackled him and beat him up because I wasn't going to be bullied anymore. I also joined the gym. I, I started working out. And before I knew it, I was benching 500 pounds. Great for my high school football career, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm still a big guy, you know. I mean, I still I, – I could be less big now and probably be happy with it. But <laughs> for all my life, big was safe. You know, nobody wants to mess with the big guy. And, uh, and so – it definitely shaped my life and, you know, it, it shaped it in some ways that were positive, but also some that were negative. For example, there were shows when I would, somebody, one of my friends was speaking on stage and I'd just grab a couple of tequila shots and walk up on stage and just do shots of them because I needed to be loved 
And so I needed to be the center of attention. So there were things that I did that I can imagine. I thought it was so cool and people would love me for these things. But I could just imagine knowing what I know today that probably half that audience was like, who is this asshole? <laughs> you know, and why is he interrupting so-and-so speech? I just want people to know I'm friends with the guy speaking. And this was before I, I could do my own speaking, right? I didn't have the reputation as a speaker. So I wanted people to know that I was friends with all the speakers, right? So I could interrupt all of them. You know, I was, I thought I was being cute and lovable and I'm sure I was probably being a bit of an asshole, but, um, but I've learned from that. You know, I don't, it took me, you know, 45 years, but I finally got comfortable in my own skin as to knowing who I am and what I am. And I'm a really good marketer and I write really good songs, you know, and, uh, and I, and I'm, and I'm really successful at bringing talented operations people who rally around me to execute on my dreams and my visions. You know, and so that's that's who I am today. And so if people criticize me today, it doesn't bother me anymore. But for the longest time, because of that bullying, I felt like I had to have everybody's attention. And if somebody didn't like me, I was going to die. You know, I mean, that's what your brain has. Those three has three responses. Either, you know, they, they fear it, they fight it or they want to. I can't use that word on your podcast. But so um, <laughs> but those are the three stages that your brain goes through. And, and so. But it's a real thing, you know. You, I, if, God, if, so, if one person got upset with me, I would, I would, I would harbor that for months. What am I going to yeah. do? So and so doesn't like me. Now I just don't give a shit. Like, yeah. Well, I, you I, know, Osho, Osho yeah. said that the greatest fear that we have to overcome is the fear of other people's opinions. And yeah. I, we all—that's really well said. Yeah, we yeah. we we are. I'm subject to that. You're subject to it. it sounds like you're you're conquering it better than others. But I think that all of us, especially those listening to the podcast who are in the entrepreneurial world, is that we have to understand that greatest fear that we have to overcome is to overcome the fear of other people's opinions. And it doesn't yeah. mean you walk around as an arrogant asshole or a jerk and you just don't care what people think. It's about being completely detached and disconnected from their opinions. And it doesn't that's not a value statement about you as a human being. So I, I appreciate your uh, candidness and, and sharing that perspective. Craig, the fifth and final key that I found as a key to success for entrepreneurs like you is that they had a plan and, and plan doesn't mean written business plan, because actually that that is very seldom seen in the successful entrepreneur's life. But the plan I'm referring to is what's the plan to finance this thing? How are you going to get the money to make this happen? And I think it's interesting you tell your story about the marketing companies like, OK, they're, they're, I was going to pay 25 grand to do this in pieces or I could pay 2,500 bucks a month and I could have my own team do it for me. So that was a plan. And then your second part of that plan was when pe enough people finally said, listen, I'll pay you, I'll do arbitrage. I'll pay you more than what it's costing you to do it. That helped you do it. But, but is there other, is there other parts of your story of success that you can look back and go, yeah, this is how I financed this thing. This is how I made this happen with money. Yeah, it's all, um, it's funny. I, I never really think of it like that, but, a good example of what I'm doing today. Uh, I have a client that I'm doing all the social media marketing for. It's a sleep aid product. And I wrote a song that she absolutely loves and she's trying to get a spokesperson. So she had the idea of using this song in a commercial. So she said, I really want to get Carrie Underwood or Faith Hill to be my spokesperson. She goes, and I want them to sing this song as part of sponsoring my product. I already can picture the commercial. I already know what it's going to do. She goes, but then I want them to also be a spokesperson for me in the long run. And she says, I'll give you a million dollars. 
And so I'm literally building my music network, talking to, you know, top, top level, you know, manager management. And I say, I got a million dollars for your artist to sing one song and to be a spokesperson for a brand. It's not my money, but I've got that money right now to use. I'm doing the same thing by doing all the social media marketing for the Miss America pageant. I wrote a record about body positivity. They want to have a big name star sing on their sing on their show coming up in December. You know, still ways out. I think we're still seven, eight months out. But they um, they said, look, we'll you know we can give away a, a sponsorship package. So I've reached out to like K Soul Skincare with Alicia Keys, six hundred thousand dollars sponsorship for free, plus a year's worth of marketing for your Kaso skincare brand if you sing the song. And so I'm in, I'm in the discussion, you know, uh, it, it's enough to get me in the doors, you know? And so I am always looking for ways to be creative with what I do. I certainly, look, I'm doing demos to, to get a hundred demos done. I've spent, it cost me around uh, $2,000 for every song. And I've done a hundred songs in the last year. So it's not that I haven't spent $300,000 or two, two to $300,000 on building my library. But I mean, so I've spent some of my own money, but I've also found ways to be creative and use, like I pitched Major League Baseball being their own record label. And then I would bring together artists, you know, to write, walk up to the plate records. And then we hire painters to create art of every player and so we create not only their own record label for Major League Baseball, but their own NFT series. And, uh, and, and they liked the idea. And I would be responsible with social clothes to do all the engagement and create, you know, relationships between the fans and the sponsors and the, the players and the teams and really focus on that engagement. We've had four conversations around doing that. So that allows me to work and network with the best writers on the planet. You know, that type of project gets me in the room with the guys from Songland, Ryan Tedder. It gets me in the, you know, so I, I've been able to leverage a lot of things to build my relationships out. And that's exactly how I think. I, you know, I always, I'm like, okay, there's another book out there called Who Not How. I always want to know who my who's are. So. That's right. I, some other person on my podcast recently mentioned that book as well. So it's a, it's a good book. Well, Craig, as we, as we wind up our show today, I wanted to give you the opportunity to give some advice to the listeners. Um, we've got listeners that are an entrepreneur game on both ends of the spectrum, like you, super successful. And then you got the early stage entrepreneurs that are just trying to get started on the front end. I want you to give some advice to that front, that side, that the, these guys, these ladies who are just now getting started, what, What's your gold nugget advice that you say this, this is what you need to pay attention to. This is what you need to do. Well, the simplest thing I'd say is treat everybody like, like they're your children. You know what I mean? And, and you want them to succeed. That works for me as an employer. I, mean, I wrote the book um, Hired to Quit, which look, I happen to have it right here. And so this is my, my book. And I helped, I helped over hundreds of people within my call center quit and go live their own dream. And, and it kind of inspired me to quit and live my dream. You know, so as I look at, as I look at uh, people that are trying to get into business, treat your employees like you treat your own children, but also the people that you can network with, like guys like, you know, relationship I have with you. I'm going to believe in you and do everything I can to support you because, because that's how I want people to feel towards me. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So I, I, yeah. So I think the biggest word of advice is 
I remember being the guy who made the, my first 150,000 and I bought the expensive shoes. I bought a Rolex, you know, I, I thought Tommy Bahama shirts were the shit. Like I was the bomb <laughs> hundred dollars. You no, know, I'm wearing these Tommy. Everybody used to laugh at me about my Hawaiian shirts. And, but I thought that was, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was it. And I wouldn't share my ideas with anybody because that was going to be sharing confidential information. And now when, whenever I hear somebody say confidential information, I laugh. I'm like, nothing's confidential, really. Everybody's got great ideas. It's those who can execute on those ideas that are going to make it happen. Right. And, Execution you know, when, when is I, the key. And, and you've got to be enough of a unicorn for people to want to work with you. In Major League Baseball, when I met with them, you know we're not going to sign an NDA. Yep. You know that we can steal any idea that you give us. Yep. You know, we probably will because we don't need many people to support us. I understand. Let me just try to help you. And if there's a reason you want to keep me around, great. If not, I'm happy to even work within the teams to help them. I said, I just think it's a great idea. And I think you guys should be part of this. And I said, and there's one role that I think I can, I can at least one role, maybe more that I can operate in that nobody else can. So I, I want to share the idea. And the one role was me being able to pull together a list of songwriters who could pump out i don't know how many players there are in major league baseball but you know i'm like you know we got to pump out 500 records i can pump out 500 records in a matter of weeks with enough writers and we can create playlists on spotify for the al east the al west we can do all these things and then i've got artists that do at least one painting a day so we can start creating the nfts and creating the experiences like this and we'll recruit other artists we'll have collections by this guy this guy this guy this guy and this girl and this girl so I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. Well, I know. Uh, so I don't know if Carrie Underwood is listening to the show, but if she's listening to the show, if anybody knows her, just uh, connect her with Craig, make it happen. Carrie, Carrie's my Hollywood crush. My wife knows this, so it's not a secret. So if she's listening, I'd be, be happy to know that she's listening. I think every, everybody's got to ha- admit they have one, one of those Hollywood crushes. Well, Craig, how could people get in touch with you, man? I mean, I know that people are listening going, I got to get in touch yeah, with you. Yeah, how easy. I'm at Craig Handley on almost everything, Facebook, social media, Instagram, you know, uh, LinkedIn. I, I, I managed to get those domains before anybody else did. Cause I was, I was doing the AOL dial up thing, you know, boom, boom. <laughs> uh-huh. So I, I bought all those things as soon as I had a chance. So, so it's um, Craig Handley, C R A I G H A N D L E Y. Right. That's correct. And then if somebody wants to email me, I'm just Craig at, Listen Trust, which is my call center, or Craig at Social Close, which is my marketing company. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to reach. I think I even have my cell phone printed in my book. So if you if you Google my name, you probably find my cell phone too. Just text me. Don't call me out of the blue though, but text me. I don't mind. So well, Craig, I man, it, to be, yeah. it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Deep, deep, kind of peeling back the layers a little bit of a, a big personality, great guy to hang out with and be around, very successful. So thank you for being on the show. It's been an honor to chat with you today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, there you have it. You've got a guy living life as an extreme sport and incorporating tremendous success as an entrepreneur into all of that extreme stuff. And, um, Craig's a great guy. We were we met, as I alluded to in the show, through um, through a mutual organization that we belong to, and uh, I, I, he, he's just a fun guy to be around. 
got tons of stories, great success. And I love what he talked about today. And I, and think about this, just the fact that he was bullied as a kid, led him to be this amazingly successful guy that he is today. So whatever you've got in your past, whatever you're working through, you know, think about what, what is preparing you for success. Don't underestimate the pain because the pain might be something that's pushing you towards greater success than you would have ever had, had the pain not been present. So follow Craig Handley. That's C-R-A-I-G-H-A-N-D-L-E-Y. Craig Handley on any of the social media platforms. Fun guy to know, fun guy to follow. And uh, he and I are going to do some work together in the future with my mastermind group. So just stay tuned. And uh, Craig's a great guy, great guy to know. Now, my offer for you is if you are a, an entrepreneur and you're listening to this show, I want to help you accelerate your business so that you can work less and make more, more money, more impact, more choices, more freedom, being able to live life on your own terms. That's what I do. So I want to invite you to my upcoming business accelerator. It's an eight hours of live group coaching that I do with my students and clients. I start one of these every once in a while. I've got one coming up really soon that you could start. We meet by Zoom on Thursday mornings. And I will show you the four core strategies to work less and make more. These are strategies that I work through as an entrepreneur to exit my business without exiting, to exit without selling the business to a third party. And I can show you how to do the same thing. Now, whether or not you actually want to physically be, uh, be absent from the daily operations, or you simply want to scale your business and you just need more time to do it, the Business Accelerator program gets you there. Go to exitwithoutexiting.com. Sign up for this next business accelerator. And what you will walk away with is you'll have a delegation plan. I'll show you exactly how to delegate to other people to free up your to-do list. I'll also show you how to eliminate stress from your life by managing your, your time and your focus. I've got this 10 block weekly schedule that I'll show you exactly how to do that'll manage your focus in ways to free up at least 50% of your time on a weekly basis. I'll also show you the third core strategy, which is how to establish systems and processes, specifically a sales system. I've got a three-part sales system that you'll learn that'll help you close over 40% more deals than you did before. And then the fourth core strategy is invest in people. Part of what you walk away with is a 10-part hiring plan, how to find, hire, and onboard the right people. If you want those things, you can get them for a very small investment, an investment in yourself for the future of your business and your family, for that working less and making more life. So go to exitwithoutexiting.com, sign up for the next one. Reach out to me if you want to talk about it. But thank you for tuning into the show. Make sure you tune in again next week when I talk with yet another amazingly successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.